What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Welcome to another. Uh, let me start over. Welcome to another edition of Cavs of the Blog podcast. Yep. I'm Nate Smith, and I am here with uh, Evil Genius and Tom Pestak. Hello. How's it going? It's it's not going too bad. How were your holidays, gentlemen? Pretty great. I yeah. cannot com- I cannot complain. You know, the kids had a good time. Uh, that was good. This Ohio weather is continues to be unseasonably warm. Balmy. Balmy, practically, although it's been really rainy. I don't know if it's been rainy in your neck of the woods, Tom, but it's been, it's been kind of miserable with the rain. But, oh, well, it, it's a hard knock life. Yeah. Actually, uh, I think you guys have probably been warmer than we have been out here. It's, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. cold in California the last week. <laughs> how how well, cold been, is cold in California through December? There. I mean, honestly, it was, it's been in the, like, it's in the, like, mid 40s in the morning. Whoa. Yeah. That's it's, brisk. Uh, it's apocalyptic. <laughs> you know, there's going to be, it's going to be all over the news pretty soon. <laughs> okay. So we have successfully turned off half our listeners already talking about the weather in Ohio and Chicago. So <laughs> let's talk some calves. Uh, it's, it was a rough week uh, yeah. for, it, for the Cavalier faithful. Um, and what looked like a nice uh, start to the week, we had uh, we had a couple victories, and then uh, we went into that Christmas Day game. And yeesh. Uh, what what was your uh, your takeaway? Well, I mean, it's it's more than just a takeaway, but 
what are some things you saw, Tom, about the Golden State game that were just flukes, and what are some things that you saw that concerned you? Well, I think um, it was interesting. Both teams had an argument to be made that they could play a lot better than they did. I mean, I think Harrison Barnes is a better player than Brandon Rush, and I think you know, I think the Cavs did a really good job on Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. But I think, in general, they're better than that. I think, likewise, um, Kyrie Irving is nowhere near back to Kyrie Irving form. And the Cavs just couldn't hit an outside shot, whether it was contested or not. So, you know, I think you didn't see either team's best game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I would say what's concerning is uh, – is Timothy Mozgov because I, I feel like he was a very critical to the success of the Cavs last year when they went on their run. And I mean, there's games where David Black can't even play him. And you watch in that first quarter and things started to get away from the Cavs when a couple possessions in a row or, you know, over a brief period, um, he's turning the ball over, he's blowing layups. And, you know, any kind of missed shot, you know, the Warriors try to run out. Uh, so that's, those are just killer. Those are just, you know, empty possessions. It was the same last year when there was the game where, you know, Shumpert made a great spin move and then he blew an uncontested layup. And I, I bet every Cavs fan can remember that play because it was just so killer. It was like a, like a five-point swing, you know, instead of mm-hmm. two points for the Cavs. The Warriors, you know, take a three the other way. So I'm concerned about Mozgov. I think uh, I have other concerns about about Kyrie and how he's going to fit in to the larger plan to make this team the best team they can be. As Um, long as he can shoot, he'll fit in. (laughs) Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. That's That's a longer conversation, but in general, I feel like, I feel like Mozgov, I don't know if it's his confidence or if it's his mindset or what it is. I'm sure, you know, maybe coming up the surgery is affecting him. But, I mean, he's playing really soft for a guy that's as big and as strong as he is. And he's leaving a lot of points on the table. And uh, and it's really hurting the Cavs. And it's getting to the point where I feel like if the Cavs do need to make a move, um, you know, the only position I feel like they really – need an upgrade is at the center. It, you know, assuming Moscow's not going to go back to his form that he had, you know, by March last year. I know, Nate, you had a – your opinion was that was fluky Moscow, and what we see now is kind of like the real guy. Well, the, the answer is somewhere in the middle, but the Moscow from January through, you know, April last year was the best he played in his career in – He's been in the league, what, six years? Um, That, to me, says, you know, that might be a little fluky. Yeah, but guys do that. I mean, they switch teams or they just figure it out, you know. I mean, yeah, I get that Mozgov has been in the league a little longer, but you see guys all the time, their third year, their fourth year, whatever, they just something clicks. I mean, I would say a guy like Reggie Jackson's going through that right now. Well, here's a – pretty underwhelming guy and now he's like whoa Reggie Jackson look out for him 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say last wait, year was Mozgov's fifth year in the league. So, well, here's here's what I would say. I mean, I, I nobody's been probably nobody's probably bashed Mozgov more than I have in recent weeks. I just feel like he's, you know, it, it's just frustrating to see a guy that that you know always frustrating to see a guy that's that tall and typically you know we've seen pretty athletically gifted just not be able to hang on to balls, not be able to, to catch a pass, not be able to, to take the ball to the, to the hole strongly and you know, throw the ball down like he has in the past. Although he had been having, he'd had a couple of pretty decent games just before this week. And I think he had kind of a bad, a down game against, um, the, against New York. And then, and then obviously the, the golden state game was just a, was an absolute, you know, washout. And he certainly, I mean, they, they all look terrible, uh, you know, against Portland, but he had, he had been having some, some nice strides coming back and he sort of felt like he was starting to come out of his, his LeBron abuse induced shell uh, of lack of confidence the, you know, earlier in the season. So I'm not ready to give up on Mozgov just yet. I think he's, I think the best is yet to come with him, and I think I think he's still. I think big man takes a lot longer for him to come back from knee injuries, and I think we still. I, I still don't think he's right, and I still think he's got a lot. I mean, he flashed some really good stuff in those those couple of games prior to the Knicks game. So I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not the DefCon whatever five or one whichever <laughs> end of the scale you want to be at with Mozgov just yet. I mean, but my problem with Mozgov is that you remember when Zadrunas was kind of in his twilight and he was a much more limited player. He didn't hurt you, really. I mean, no, yeah, he I figured guess, out what things he could do, right? That he could still be effective at. And unless he was, unless he was trying to check Dwight Howard, he wasn't hurting you. He just was no longer an all-star center. But I mean, my problem with Mozgov is like. They're throwing him nice entry passes, and it's like I know he's not a wide receiver, but if you can get a hand on a lobbed pass, you should corral that. You know what I mean? Well, he does like to do that volleyball thing. So, well, I just he's always done that. I mean, contrasting him to someone like Z, who had just really good hands, it's just it's like night and day. I can't. I mean, so many times I watched the guy get these entry passes and they just fumble off his hands and it's a, and it's just a turnover. It's just a run out the other way. Um, and then when he's trying to, you know, pop these little layups in instead of just trying to throw down on everyone and they lead to run outs the other way. It's just, it, it, I feel like it's like a, it's like, it's not as bad as if he pick and popped, you know, and missed a 17 footer. I feel like right. it's just, like, it kind of like takes the wind out of the Cavs sails and the other mm-hmm. team, gets this rush of like, yeah, you know, a seven foot one guy that was running underneath the hoop just blew a layup. Like, let's have fun with this. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just my emotions are, are changing how I see it, but it it just feels like he's just killing the Cavs when he's on the court. But remember the, like, remember the Orlando game, like mid month. I I mean, what he had 17, I'm looking at it now. He had 17 points, eight or nine shooting, you know, he had four, it's all, you know, in 20 minutes, the next night, uh, the next game against Boston, four of five, nine points, ten rebounds. I mean, he had a nice stretch of games, and even the last couple, you know, against OKC, against Philly, like, 
he was he was making an impact in the games, but um, you know, the last couple he sort of reverted back to the to the mean, and he was really just just he was really not good against Golden State. But then again, Golden State was ultra small, especially without Harrison. Yeah, Warren. but not when he was playing. It was. Uh... It was Bogut. Everybody was surprised they started Bogut, and they started Bogut to check Mozgov. And then when Mozgov left, they took Bogut out. I mean, Bogut killed him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, Good point. Good point. one of the things that was really annoying about him was that he kept going up for these two-handed slams, expecting no one to be able to block it. And it's like, you know, go up for the one-handed slam and use the rim – and your body is a protector because they're going to challenge that shot. You know, Bogut's a, ch- a shot blocker that can check him. And I just felt like he was going up for really not very court aware finishes against a team that is, is going to go after that. And, yeah. and Bogut had two huge blocks on him that if, if Mozgov had, you know, gone up with the right hand and shielded off with the left, rather than, you know, the two-handed bring it behind your head and then get it stuffed, slam, he, he would have been better off. And and I just it just points to Moskov gets it seems like he gets in a bad mental space and it is hard for him to get out of that. Yeah. yeah he I mean, can't shake he doesn't off have a lot of confidence. He's got thirty one turnovers already this season in um and and he only has he's only made thirty four free throws. He's only got 33 offensive rebounds. I mean, he's only got 20 blocks. So He's yeah. only playing 17 minutes a game. Yeah, so those turnovers are just way too high. Well, yeah. and the crazy thing for him, and maybe it's the pressure uh, of being in a contract year, maybe he's not a guy that deals well with the pressure of having to go out and perform every night, but he's cost himself a ton of money right now. Like if he came out and had just a, a – you know, a whale of a year, um, you know, to prove that I am actually 65, I use the term whale of a year. But um, (laughs) if he'd come out and just, you know, played like a high level starter, he, you know, he could be getting $15 million a year next year. Well, there's always a playoffs though. Cause that, I mean, look at what happened with TT last year. I mean, TT wasn't a, an $82 million player during the regular season, but in the playoffs, when love went down, he made his he made his bones there. Yeah, that's true. So, so um, going back to the Golden State game, I mean, we've talked about Timo a little bit, and I, the only way for me, I mean, Timo, he's got to just play through it. And if it's getting towards the trade deadline, and it's looking like it's not going to happen, that he's not going to figure it out or get his confidence back, the Cavs may have to make a move, but I don't know what move there is to make. Um. And then the other part of that is, so like going back to the Golden State game, uh, EG, is there anything you saw that uh, that concerned you, or did you just think it was they had a bad shooting night? I felt like they had a bad shooting night. I felt like the defense, the defense really impressed me because I didn't know if they could get back to that level that they achieved in the postseason and because that was some ridiculously tremendous defense. I mean, they became the best defensive team arguably in the, in the entire playoffs in the right. NBA last year. And for them to get back to that play, I mean, they held the Warriors under 90 points 
in their building, which hasn't happened, I don't think, since like early last year. Um, you know, they, I, I felt really good about the defense, and I just felt like they, they missed a lot of open shots. Whereas I don't think Golden State missed a lot of open shots because I felt like I felt the Cavs were constantly running them off the three point line. Yeah, everything they, was contested. They, they made Steph bring dribble and bring the ball in and, and try to take the mid rangers, which he, he didn't make a ton of. I mean, they, they did a nice job on their guards. And look, the big, the, the thing that killed them was they didn't account for Sean Livingston. I don't understand why why uh, Richard Jefferson wasn't put in the game as a designated Livingston stopper at, at a, you know in those situations. Um, and I think I, I think I was actually I hated to see them lose because I, I hate watching Golden State beat anybody. But honestly, I think for them to hold Golden State to that point total and for them to miss a, the, the kinds of open shots they missed. I mean, they shot 31% and they were below 30 for most of the game. Yeah. Five of 30 from three point range. They're, they're just, they're not going to, that's not going to happen. They're, they're in, they're in a protracted team slump right now. And yeah. the last three games really have been hor- horrific, but I think, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't really bummed out at all. I kind of felt like, Hey, you know what? They're going to need that kind of defense to beat Golden State in a series, and I think, I think if they played them in a seven-game series, and maybe not right now because the three-point shooting is terrible, but I, I think I wouldn't be all that worried. My, I don't. I I agree with you for the most part. There were some things that concerned me. Um, one, the the decision not to play RJ was kind of a head scratcher at times, especially. Um, the, the Mo Williams, although Mo Williams did not play terribly, uh, the, the team was plus four when he was in. I actually thought he gave good effort on defense. Well, he had um, the banana in the tailpipe move, which was yeah, really a good contribution. And that, that was actually kind of helped him. Um, I didn't like the James Jones sighting in the first half. Uh, I am not a James Jones fan. I would rather at this point with their plethora of swingmen, uh, see them go. So I would rather Art Richard Jefferson play James Jones's minutes at the four than James Jones. <laughs> but just to play devil's advocate, the one while well, in the two minutes James Jones was in, he got two rebounds and he drew an offensive foul on Draymond Green. Yeah, well, no, it's true, and that they his plus minus was zero. So, well, and um, I think he showed up in the finals a little bit, didn't he, against Golden State last year? He did. He did, but he also. Got a well. We'll get into the uh, Portland game in a minute. But the other thing that uh, that I thought the other thing that really concerned me was Steph Curry's two waltzes to the basket late, oh, yeah. um, where no one contested the shot, and Kevin Love just kind of let him shoot it instead of contesting or trying to foul. The other one, LeBron took a bad angle on the switch, and. Curry beat him badly, and the LeBron thing annoys me because LeBron has this tendency of, and if he realizes the the play is going poorly, he just oh I'm giving up. I'm I know this is, and maybe it's his vision, but I'm not even going to try. Well, let's move on to the next play. And sometimes that's really annoying because I I feel like the team copies that, and then they all kind of get that attitude, and I. 
really felt like we saw a lot of it in uh, Portland. But uh, but LeBron missing uh, Steph on that one layup, and then Kevin Love missing him on the other layup late. And I don't blame Delhi because the the book is you run Steph off the line and you hope for the help defense when he comes inside because you can't let him beat you from the three point line. Yep. I, I thought Delhi actually played pretty decent defense against uh, Steph Curry for most of the game, and you could tell he was gassed a couple times from chasing him around. Uh, did did you guys kind of see the same thing about Delhi that game? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot, a lot like watching the finals again. The way he was, he was running him, trying to deny the pass. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've, you know, it's only been seven or eight games now, but I think it's it's pretty obvious that the Cavs at least have a strategy to slow down the Splash Brothers. Right. It's it's all these other guys that seem to be killing the Cavs. It's right, and and that's one place where the Brandon Rush, who went 0-5 for 5 that game, argument really makes a lot of sense because Harrison Barnes is a much better – you know, he's a high-level role player for that team. He's a much better fit than Brandon Rush on that team right now. And Well, he can hit the three pretty well too. Well, right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's yeah. a better finisher and he's a better three-point shooter and he's a more versatile defender. And I think with Harrison Barnes, you don't see 24 minutes of Bogut and 18 minutes of Brandon Rush. And I don't think, like you said, anybody thought that uh, the key to that game offensively for the Warriors was going to be the Herculoid Sean Livingston. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. those guys just keep coming back to bite the Cavs. But, I know. well, I was going to say, if you want an interesting observation, and I'm just looking at the numbers here, and Every guard that had to had to be on Steph, so Kyrie, Delhi, and uh, you know Shumpert from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. Those three guys were combined zero for twelve from, from three. From three, yeah. The only guy that could hit threes in that game was Jr., who never has to guard Steph. And so when you when you look at this, like you need guys like Jr., you need guys like Kevin Love, who's also over five actually hit three pointers because the other guys are going to be more gassed. They're going to be more yeah. gassed chasing stuff around. So they're not going to, they're not going to have their legs as much and they're not, they're probably going to be not shooting as well if they're going to play that brand of defense. So right. ultimately you're going to have to have some of these, some of the, like the stretch fours like love or LeBron's going to have to hit a couple or JR is going to have to hit a few. You're going to have to have guys that can hit those shots because you know, you're just but gonna... I don't think it was just them chasing Curry. No, no, but I think they were tight. I mean, I you could tell like they were tight the whole game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think the 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 stage got to him a little. Um, and, and the other thing I'm concerned about long term, I don't know if Kevin Love. I don't know if he has a killer instinct in him. The I I am I am afraid of him being a player that folds in big moments. Uh, and I don't know, do you guys see that as being a realistic fear? Or do you just think I'm, I'm projecting here? I don't know if it's the whole like clutch, not clutch thing, as much as it is that I think we envisioned that he was the type of player that was always going to be affecting the game. You know, when you talk about a guy being like a top 10 or a top 20 player, they don't fade. They, they, they're they not going to be on the court, but not 
causing a ton of attention right um, or or you know or or finding ways to affect the game even if maybe the shot's not falling and um and, and he did just, affect that game he had 18 rebounds yeah and he had two yeah. blocks yeah i i just i mean I, I think he's looked better so far this year certainly than he looked last year in a Cavs uniform but I just think at this point I've seen enough of Kevin Love that my expectations are just lower than they were when they first got him because I mean I didn't watch him play a ton in Minnesota but I had him on my fantasy team and I'd see those gaudy stat lines and they ran the offense through him right uh, because Ricky uh, Ricky Rubio can't shoot at all and um, he took a lot of shots he made a lot of shots he could hit all different kinds of shots, and we lose you, Tom. You know, um, I don't know if it's just he's not. I don't know if he's just not that physical of a player, or what it is. But um, sometimes he just he doesn't impact the game the way you would think a guy that's like a top tier player well, would. Let me, but make the. I mean, sorry to play the what if game, but let's say let's say he hits two of those of those five three pointers he took, right? Which is not that's not out of the realm. It was two of five instead of right. over five. The tie game, he's got sixteen points instead of ten with eighteen boards. You're feeling a little bit different about Kevin Love, and yeah. literally, it's two it's two three point shots. I would say that I felt like he rebounded in a big way in that game. I thought he fought really hard on on, and I thought I thought there were two things: the the missing the threes, and then also the the allowing Steph to just waltz down the lane at the end. Those were the two things that stood out glaringly to me. I do think Kevin's, you know, he's maybe not always there defensively, although he's still been a better defensive player than I think he was at points last year, certainly early on. But the thing that bothers me most about love lately is that I watch him, he gets the ball and he'll look to pass it before he looks to shoot it. Even though he or, or before he looks to attack, and we have yeah. talked about this, but why he doesn't shot fake and put the ball on the floor more, which he's done the last few games, but it's like he's just resetting the defense and then letting them off the hook. Yeah, he does that when he just gives it, resets the play, and gives it back to a guard instead of instead of attacking. And that that drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there, and it and it's a big reason why have a good floor game to do that. No, but then it's also the reason why, and I think that's some of that permeates through the team. I mean, he's one of the leaders of the team, and I think you, you know, guys for whatever reason don't want to take shots. I mean, a Jr. has weirdly gone through phases this year where I look at the box score and he's got two attempts, and they were both in the first first five minutes of the game, and he hasn't shot the ball since but I've seen him get the ball and he's you know moving it around and I think he's wanting to be more of a of a team player and sit in but Jared's job is to shoot the ball on this team and by the way so is this Kevin Love I mean these guys need to be shooting the ball and how much of it do you hesitate is the LeBron scowl when (laughs) these guys don't make the shot or make the play that LeBron wants him to make um, I, I, I sometimes think that LeBron's doesn't have positivity at times when he should have more positivity because he expects everyone to play as perfectly as he does. And, and I, I feel like he needs, he needs to encourage more than uh, 
discourage at times. Uh, do you guys see that at all, or am I just well, projecting? I don't think you know what the chemistry is like. To, I mean, well, maybe, no, none of us know. I mean, obviously, it's a guess. I mean, if someone, if I was playing in a game and someone better than me on the team was giving me dirty looks, I mean, he's either right or he's wrong. I mean, I either screwed up and it's like, you're right, I screwed up. And I just, you know, you deal with it. Or he's wrong and I'm going to say back, no, that's not at all what we were supposed to do there. You know what you're talking about? And I'd get into it with him. I don't see any of the Cavs. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if anybody else has that mentality to get into it with LeBron, which I think is part of the problem. Yeah, they're all deferential to him, for sure. Well, and I, I think wanna, I, Oh, sorry, Tom, go ahead. Well, I guess I don't I know I know where you're going with this conversation, Nate, and I guess I just don't think any of us are good enough at like uh analyzing body language, but I what I will <laughs> say that is concerning to me is that I got this, I have this like really, I have this suspicion that if you remember the finals against the Warriors and the narrative was all like, oh my gosh, like without Kyrie and without Kevin Love, look at this unbelievable like load LeBron has to carry. And it was the first time that season that everyone kind of reverted to, oh yeah, that's right. LeBron's the best player in the league and this is why. Because you can put a bunch of like limited role players around him against a juggernaut team, and he can still win games. Um, and I saw the same look in LeBron's eye against the Warriors. This idea that we're going to slow down the pace, and that's fine to slow down the pace. But I saw less trust in. I just don't think. I think for the Cavs to be able to beat a team like the Warriors or the Spurs, their offense also has to be clicking. They can't. <laughs> Is he fading out on you? Yeah. Um, they can't be like the 1.0 era Cavs. Hey, Tom, you're fading out a little bit. Oh, am I like Fox Sports? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it like Fox Sports from last night? By the, yeah. By the way, they should have just kept the, vid- the visual Yeah, they should have just turned it off. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but so, I guess all I was saying was I feel like LeBron loses tr- – when LeBron loses trust in the point guards, the offense becomes stagnant. And I don't, I don't think even think it's the point guards because I know he trusts Delhi and he said as much. But I but think does he everybody else. Games, but does did, – did he against the Warriors? Because no. I felt – Uh, we're losing. I'm going to slow walk it up. I'm going to control the pace of this game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hold on. Well, a I'm, trying, I'm trying to tether off my phone. Oh, jeez. So, no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you guys just talk? <laughs> I'm enjoying listening to you. EG, okay. EG, EG is so optimistic. I'm sitting here all down in the dumps, and he's like, oh, no, Moscow's going to be awesome well, soon. Kevin loved that. Robert, Robert made a great point over email. He said the Cavs, LeBron and the Cavs have traditionally played like crap during the holidays for a year. Yep. Yep. And remember last year, it was January 6th, was when the team went 30-3, and uh, and they just started playing balls out. So, um, you know, maybe that's coming. Maybe it's just the holiday malaise. You know, we, all, we all get them. LeBron's, <laughs> LeBron's, birth, LeBron's birthday malaise. Yeah. yeah. He's so, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 31 now. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I think they, I mean I think they just walked into that game feeling too good about themselves against Portland and knowing that there was no, no I, Lillard and they just didn't they just didn't well, bring I it. think it was a combination of that and then a combination of just not even having processed the game before. Like I was a little because bit because it was turned a Christmas off. Day game. It was a back to back, which a NBA schedule makers. I mean, don't schedule a team on Christmas and then schedule them to play the very next night. That's just goofy. Yeah. Uh, I on the West Coast, I I feel like that's just kind of ridiculous. Look, I don't want it to sound like a cop out, and it will, but they played so hard. Uh, defensively against Golden State, I mean, you could see it. You you even said, I mean, and I saw it too. The how how almost gassed at the end of the game, Delhi was. How it was well, exhausted. You seen out of it, you know. So in the Portland game, you should have seen the circles under Delhi's eyes. He looked like he hadn't slept in two, two three days. I mean, he just had the huge rings under his eyes. Coles, and, Coles, be careful. Coles will have a field day with this. Well. Yeah. Yeah, but I've seen the same. Yeah, but he was one of the only guys that showed no, up. Coles, Coles, Coles turned it off after I started ragging on Moscow for panicking. So he's yeah, not, but he's not I still mean, listening. I mean, Delhi was one of the only guys that showed up in Portland. That's uh, true, but he always yeah. but he always shows up. I mean, All talk right. about the antithesis of what Moscow has been this year with with another guy who's basically working towards a free agent contract this summer. I mean, it's a tale of two. Players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, why don't you expound on that a yeah. little bit, EG? Well, you know, for as much as Moz has been underwhelming, and granted he's had the knee issues and he's had the communication issues and the confidence issues with, with LeBron clearly yelling at him, you know, openly throughout the season, Delhi's been the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, this is a guy who – Everyone felt like he was just a, you know, lucky to be in the league role player for, you know, most of the last couple of years. And I think that we're probably the, the only bastion of, of people that, that saw something more in him. I'm sure there's pretty more. much, no, it pretty much was us, <laughs> but I yeah. think he, he was, he had some big moments in the playoffs last year that and flashes that said, well, this guy could, this guy can compete. This guy can be a good player, but I don't think anybody expected what he's been able to do this year. And the, the two stats that stick out more than anything. And I don't know if it's, if it's still the case after the last two games, but prior to the, the last two games, he was top five in the NBA in three point uh, percentage. And he was leading the NBA in assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. I mean, look at his month of December is crazy. 11 points. I mean, and the per game averages are, are very pedestrian. 11 points, four and a half assists in 30 minutes a night, which you go, oh, that's, that's kind of a low barometer. But then you combine that with 1.6 assists or 1.6 turnovers, and he's shooting 50% from the field in December or from three in December, 47% from the floor, and 91% from the free throw line. I mean, he is a clutch free throw shooter right now uh he, he's probably the best free throw shooter on the Cavs right now and then his plus, his plus minus his plus minus per 48 is better than LeBron now yeah well on the other I mean the other day Brian Windhorst said Delhi's a top 10 point guard in the east right now 
No, he said he was playing like a top 10 point guard in the league. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. He did say that. And with kind of how far the guard play has fallen off, it seems like in the last year or two, I, I don't doubt that. Well, and the thing is, he's perfect for a team with high usage wing players like the right, Cavs. Right, exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a guy like that, you know, running certain offenses. But right. um, God, if you put it, if you put like him on a team like the Thunder, right? You got this like defensive juggernaut alongside Russell Westbrook, who you know all the shots are going to go to Westbrook and Durant. Like if they could trade Waiters for Delhi, they would do oh, it in yeah. a heart. They would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is just shocking to think about all the fanfare that waiters came into the league with and all oh, he could be the next Wade. And you're right. Delhi. It was like, this guy is going to be out of the league in a year. If he even sticks around for one yeah. year. Well, and the other thing he is, he's fixed his weaknesses. He's developed that floater into a reliable shot. Um, and you have to honor the lob so much that he's, uh, he's getting to the lot. He's getting that shot off. I mean, I saw him put one in right over, um. Oh, who was it in the Knicks? Robin Lopez. Yeah. And Robin Lopez was literally six inches from him, and he put that shot up right over him. Robin Lopez didn't even contest because he was worried about the lob. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, because he was playing him for the opposite side of his body, and you know when you have that option, it's great. But the other thing that's happening is teams are playing him for the lob so much that it's uh. It, it, they've started to telegraph it a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say the the two things that I would I would say Delhi needs to watch going forward are tele is telegraphing the lob too much and on the three point shots taking making sure that he's he's much he's a much better catch and shoot three point shooter than he is on the run. He has and become that's true, but in December teams have been going under the pick and roll so far that he has time to almost fix his shot at times. And when teams go that far under the pick and roll, he has to take that shot. Or you're failing become, out the defense. He's become the embodiment of two low-usage point guards that played on the Cavs at the same time, Eric Snow and Booby Gibson. <laughs> and that his defense, his defense is very much like Eric Snow. He's strong. Yep. He's tough. That's a good um, point. But of course, the he's problem a there, much no. better passer than he, he's a much better pure point than either of those guys were. Okay, but Snow, uh, Snow, Snow wasn't a bad passer though. Yeah, that's Snow, true. It's just Snow, when he got so old that he couldn't. Well, yeah. yeah, but he he limited turnovers, right? He wasn't a flashy yeah. point guard, and then Booby was a knockdown spot up three point shooter. Yeah. Um, that also played good D against slower point guards because he was strong. Right. For a guy his size. And it's like he's become like both of those guys at once, which is, I mean, honestly, it's the value is just incredible. The value they're getting out of Delhi right now. Yeah. And my, he had my favorite play of the game in the Warriors game when he basically just uh, did a rip move on, uh, on Draymond Green, who he was setting a screen on Draymond Green and Draymond tried to grab him. And he just did a rip move and just left Draymond in the dust, almost like a a bulldozer yeah. on a screen and Draymond was like calling for the foul. And I was like, how many guys in the league have the guts to go head to head with Draymond green that are given up four inches? You know, wait, Del- Delhi's wait. not even listed at 200 pounds. Wait, Draymond was calling for a foul. Oh yeah, yeah I know. It's yeah. hard to believe. 
Well, bro. how amazed were you that you actually saw the the uh, in crunch time the Warriors get called for a moving screen in that game? Amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's it a, was that's amazing. A omen. That's a good omen. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, a couple, I'd say about a month ago, I tweeted out that Delhi was the fourth most important calf. And I sort of, you know, after the big three, and my, my rationale for that is that he is going to be so critical against a team like the Warriors or the Spurs mm-hmm. in, because you cannot trust Kyrie Irving to guard uh, Tony Parker or um, really either of the Splash Brothers in my opinion. Well, and that in you can't play Mo Williams against those guys. No, no. And, Patty Mills and, will eat Mo Williams alive. And, and when I tweeted that out, pretty much all of Cavs' Twitter that was on at the time, mostly they were like Fear the Sword guys. And some other guys just told me I was crazy. A know? blog we shall not name. We'll, we'll have to go and edit that out later. <laughs> well, well, they just told me I was crazy and that I was, yeah. you know, I was smarter than that. They did the concern, the concern trolling or whatever. But, hmm. I mean, I, I, I firmly believe that. And, of course, then ESPN came out with its RPM, which it's so silly that they release it so early in the year and they do it on a weekly basis because that makes you think, <laughs> well, that makes you think that, it's like meaningful in like a yeah, short. Yeah, and a guy set. can have like a really good week, and his RPM will go way up. But it, no, won't, it won't. It won't. Yeah. So they released the stats, and Delhi was like two eighty in the league or something. And I noticed LeBron and Love were like cataclysmically high. Like they were both top five alongside Draymond and Steph. And I'm like, I think LeBron and Love right now are actually getting extra credit in their RPM. Because the 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 matrix thinks Delhi is so bad yeah. that like those two guys are carrying him along. Well, right, and they run and what they happened, run two year RPM, right? No, but the it's problem like was they did use a prior. They did use a prior, yeah. which was probably like last well, in Delhi's second year. Yeah, it was probably not good no, in terms of RPM. It was probably last season, not including the playoffs. So anyway, what happened was two weeks went by and. LeBron and Kevin Love, you know, without Delhi, started struggling. And a couple times Delhi came in and did really well. And wouldn't you know it, last time they released RPM, he was like 52nd or something. So he <laughs> went from like 280 to like 52 in a map. Uh, are you still there? The limits Tom? to a weekly update. To RPM. <laughs> Tom is once yeah. again oh, come on the word. A trans steamer that is uh This is so important. Is so important. <laughs> I'm I'm bestowing so much important information <laughs> and, and my wife my phone tethering is not getting it. No, but no, the, no, no. Well, we got you. We just heard like all these strange noises in the bathroom. Oh. No. Well, the point is uh, is that a foghorn? <laughs> Delhi is critical to the Cavs going oh, forward. Absolutely. Absolutely, and, uh, and I and think, right now he's their best bench guard. So, I'm well, he's going to get. I think he's going to get a big offer from somebody for sure. I I guess I I didn't well, understand why it didn't match. happen last year, but he he is right now on the best contract in the NBA. Well, he was restricted last year, right? But I mean, you can still you would think somebody might make him an offer, but you know the NBA is weird. Uh, I Jr. didn't Jr. didn't get an offer. Yeah, and Bismack Biombo got two million, and now he looks 
He had a 20-rebound game the other day. So. And for everyone listening, Bismack Biombo is the new Thad Young. <laughs> for Nate Smith, it is true. <laughs> it's so true. So for the next two years, instead of hearing about Thad Young. Jay, Jay Crowder was Thad Young. Wait a minute. Jay Crowder became one of the bad guys, so I couldn't do I, that. I think Bismack's crown will be short-lived, though, because won't, won't the zinger become your, your number no, one? No, the zinger is going to be way too good to yeah. be uh, – To be on the knees. Yeah. No, although the Lakers are looking really foolish right now for D'Angelo Russell. So. Well, that's early. It is he's, been, he's been better lately, though, because he yeah. hasn't been playing with Kobe. He's been coming off oh, the bench. Yeah. But Porzingis yeah. does look like the real deal. That I watched the Lakers the other day. They're the strangest team to watch. I did you guys thought. not hear me, or did you just ignore? No, no, me? I did. I did. I oh, okay. did. <laughs> no, yeah. The singer is the real deal. I mean, because okay. you just like blew right through that leg. No, I know you're right. No, the singer is for everybody. Uh, Tom, did you watch Zydrunas Ogaskis when he first came in the league? Oh yeah, of course. Do you think the comparisons are apt? I think he's a better outside shooter. I mean, Z didn't develop yeah. a three until like 2009. No, I mean, no that's true. He, hit that, that, he hit that 29-footer from to end the half against the Cavs the other night. Yeah. That was ridiculous. No, no, Z, no, that was a 30-footer. 30, 30 that's right. why I said Z. 29. One of my most memorable moments from Cavs 1.0. Do you guys remember? I think it was like 2006. The Cavs were playing the Suns, and Z hit that three to tie the game. To send it to overtime. Yeah, and the Cavs well, I mean, But it's different era, too. If, if Z had been around now, now, yeah, he'd probably he'd be shooting threes. Yeah, every in, game he'd be, in Europe. Instead of practicing like post moves, he'd be practicing yeah. three. But the Zinger just looks, he had a rebound tonight, like where he crashed from the three point line, went over a guy's back, got the rebound, threw it out, back out to the three point line. I was like, there are the number of guys over seven foot tall in the in, in the world that can make that play without fouling someone it is you can count them on one hand. Like he's so unbelievably coordinated for his yeah, size. I agree. I'm I, I'm blown away by how good he looks, especially yeah. at his age. I mean yeah. he he he's like composed. You know, he doesn't look yeah. like he's trying to play too fast for a guy that's only twenty. Seems the stage doesn't seem too big for him. No. Like, the New York thing just doesn't seem to bother him at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah, he's 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 already good, and he's going to be. I mean, by what, what, this will be interesting if you know Anthony Davis was supposed to be the next LeBron and just kind of run the league for the next ten years. It could be like Porzingis. Yeah. Well, there's also, and this is how good Carl Anthony Towns is. Porzingis might still be the night. If they redrafted today, it would go at one and Porzingis two, probably. I mean, it would, it would, the argument would be there. Yeah, I think so. There's a and lot it, of young bigs that yeah. have Although Okafor, Okafor has got a really nice game, too. Yeah, if, but if Carl Anthony Towns played well, what about in LA, he'd be rookie of the year. And what about Drummond? Oh, I was just talking about the, from the draft this past yeah. year. No, I know, but I'm saying Drummond's only like 21. Yeah. I mean, no, Drummond, Drummond's unbelievable. Yeah. He had a 22 and 22 night last night. Yeah. There are a lot. It, it, I'm glad because, you know, right now the NBA is going through this small ball renaissance. But part yeah. of me think that's because there's not any, there haven't been any good centers. The only good center of like the last 10 years has been Dwight Howard. 
Yeah. And he's not even good anymore. So now you got all these big men that are really good. I think the whole small ball thing might dry up as quickly as it showed up personally. Yeah, but they can all shoot. That's the other thing. Or a lot of them. I think it's a phase. I don't think it's like, yeah, I don't think three point. I don't, I'm not saying like the massive amount of three point shooting is going to change. I think that's here to stay. I'm saying the stuff the Warriors are getting away with. Oh yeah. um, I could see a team like the Spurs this year kind of like swatting that into the upper deck and saying, uh, now you're going to have to try to guard LaMarcus Aldridge with, you know, with little guys. Good luck. The other thing about the, the Warriors is they massively hit on that draft where they got uh, Clay Thompson, Festus Azili, and Draymond Green in the same draft, which is just an enormous draft. Yeah. But the other thing about that draft is it showed what a huge problem there is in the NBA right now. And it's that teams are drafting these one-year players and they're not any good till their fourth or fifth year. And when you have Draymond Green come out as a senior, he was a senior or a junior, and he's good. Uh, I think he was a junior, wasn't he? Yeah, he was good within two years. Um, the NBA, I, I, and one of the things that I'm going to argue is that the war, the NBA guard, the state of guard play in the NBA and the bottom end of the NBA is so bad right now, and the quality of play has dropped off so much that the Warriors' start kind of means nothing compared to the Bulls' season because the NBA is so much worse than when the Bulls were playing. I don't agree with that, really, at I all. know. That's why I said it, to kind of throw it out <laughs> yeah. there. I don't, think, I don't think the NBA – I think there's a lot of young rebuilding There's so many teams right that can't play the end of their bench. Yeah, but there's – I've never – I can never remember a time in the NBA where okay, there was yeah, this much – there was this much just talent because you still got guys like I think the guard play's gotten really bad, Tom. The guard play. Yeah. I can name like 10 point guards right now that are very good. Yeah. And there's one of them starters in the league. You just made my point for me. Well, you think every team should have like an all-star caliber point guard. They should have a good point guard. They should have a, a guy who can, who can score and distribute the ball. Right, because all, all the NBA becomes so guard. Like, look at the look at the look at the Bucks. Good, You just said if that's the case, and there's only ten good teams in the NBA right now. No, what like, I'm what I'm saying is you you look at generations. Like whose generation is it? And finally, it's no longer like the Kobe generation. Okay, but well, Duncan, yeah, you're right about that. Duncan is still effective. Yeah, and the Spurs, as old as they are, might be the best team in the league right now. LeBron. Well, part of that. But, but would you say would you say Tony Parker is a top ten point guard when he's healthy? I would, yeah, I would when he's healthy. I, I mean, I don't think dude, he is. It wasn't. It wasn't that long ago that they put on maybe the best finals performance of I don't know my lifetime against. Yeah, the it's Heat. only been a year and a half. It's not been that long, and when Tony Parker was healthy for like one week in March. The Spurs won like 12 straight by an average of 20 points a game. Hey, and Tony Parker this year. And then he got gimpy again right before the playoffs started. And that kind of. he's like 38 years old. No, Tony Parker this year, EG, 27 minutes a game, 12 and a half points, five assists, 55% from the field, 52% from three. That's pretty awesome numbers. Yeah. All right. I mean, well, it doesn't hurt that they have the 
third best player in the NBA on their team either. I mean, the Spurs downfall will be injuries, but if they're completely healthy, I don't think any team, I don't care if the Warriors win 78 games. I think if the Spurs are completely healthy in, you know, May, I I think they're the best team. Yeah. Well, and you just heard my assertion. Kawhi Leonard is the third best player in the NBA right now. And he has incredible. Oh yeah, and he ha- he's the he may be the best two way player in the NBA right now. So your he's, top five is like he's the my only top five is Curry, LeBron, Kawhi. He's ahead of Durant, Draymond. Um, I would got you got to put Draymond up there. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, I hate the guy, but he's been ridiculous. Uh, Dr- Draymond, oof. Draymond's put, at six. Okay, is Delhi seven? <laughs> where 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 is Aaron Kraft in this list? What are you talking about? <laughs> Aaron Kraft, that was your boy. That wasn't mine. I never liked Aaron Kraft. I got a thing against people with rosacea. That was a joke. You guys should see me. Like I'm holding my laptop like they used to do the you know how you would like hold the TV antenna all funky to try to get a signal? Man. Like I'm doing that. Because anytime I anytime I move, you guys. Do you have out. a Do you have a coat hanger and some tin foil? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm doing. I got like one leg out the door, you know. Okay, so we've gotten way off traffic, off topic. Um, so, you know, kind of going back, any takeaways from the Portland game, or was it just burn the film, bury it? Yeah. <sighs> I think you just gotta move on from it. I don't. They weren't ready to play. They got down by a lot. I mean, they lost a the game in the first quarter. They did. First five minutes, really. I mean, they. You're not going to get back from a 34 to 12 hole in the first. Yeah, a- Alan Crab. Alan Crab punked him. Here's the concerning <laughs> thing: if if the Spurs played the Blazers, they could have rested their top seven guys and possibly won that game where the where the Blazers didn't have um, Lillard. I think if the Cavs was concerning to starters, me, they would have been better off. Well, maybe, but what's concerning to me is the Cavs. Just no one could answer. It didn't matter yeah, who they. It wasn't the bench guys that were that terrible that game. It was mostly the starters. No, no but that's that's. And by the way, Tom, that's the difference. Is the Spurs have a system? The Cavs do not. That's true. Right. They don't and have one that rese- they don't resemble a system. They there was so much breakdown one on one early yeah. shot clock yep. shots just just it was like uh, ball and it the was shot yeah. And was so Mo Williams three possessions in a row yeah three within like with like seventeen seconds on the shot clock. And to take you what you just said, don't even make the other team expend any energy on defense when you do that. Yeah, and to take what you said, eg, I kind of mentioned it earlier. My biggest concern about Kyrie Irving is I think the Cavs with, you know, another two, three months could get a system that they're comfortable with offensively with all these guys. Take that long. But I'm worried that I've never, I've been watching Kyrie Irving play for four years now. I've never really seen him play well in a system. And I know Ben brought it up, uh, Oh, we lost him. You know, part of the problem is Kyrie does it. Unlike Delhi, uh, unlike Delhi, who goes north to south all the time on pick and rolls, and he's very predictable for the rest of the Cavs. Mm-hmm. It's like he's like an option quarterback almost, but the Cavs know where to go. Kyrie creates rhythm for himself 
by doing fancy dribbling. And the rest of the Cavs have no freaking idea where he's going, where he's going to end up, or like what empty spaces they should fill in. And so that's the thing that concerns me is that I feel like for them to reach their ceiling, he needs to become a little bit more like Steph Curry, where he can catch and shoot from anywhere and be deadly, but he can also... Yeah, um, I'm amazed. One of the ball. great things about Steph Curry is how well he plays off the ball. Yeah, it's just incredible. And yeah. and the and the gravity. I think that LeBron, they could run that offense through LeBron the way the Warriors run the offense through Draymond Green and just set up uh, Kyrie yeah. for shots. But LeBron just um, – the thing that drives me nuts about LeBron is – I feel like he doesn't want to make a pass if it's not a home run pass. If it's if it's a hockey assist, he doesn't want to make it. You know what I mean? And it, it that kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, maybe. He just can't move the ball to the next open space. But that's a good point. I mean, the Cavs, if if let's just say if Kyrie Irving was Steph Curry, if you just switch those two guys, I mean, the Cavs have a better have a better what? Superior to Draymond Green, and I think the rest of the roster. Oh no, roster! (laughs) It's like Mad. It's like Mad Libs. The 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 password is roster. A better roster. So I I think Kyrie needs to work on playing off the ball. Well, here's the thing, though, Tom. Well, he did that a lot last year. I think one of one of your problems will be solved by the other problem, which is the guy that'll benefit the most from Kyrie being back and playing his game is Moskov because he did last year. They, they seem to have a really good, a really good, uh, you know, chemistry down in terms of Kyrie always knew where to, where to find Moz. And it, it just felt like, it felt like they, they improved each other. On the yeah. yeah. I, I will agree with that. And the other thing, LeBron, seems to throw way too many low passes to Mozgov. He's just not good at catching. Yep. Yeah, well, he's been having trouble with the, the high ones too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, but he definitely no, can't do the drop passes. Like, like, like Andy, Andy was great at the drop passes and, but Andy can't play more than 10, 15 minutes a game. Passes and everything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird because Delhi and Tristan seem to have that ESP. But Delhi and Mozgov don't seem to have it at all. And then you, you've got Tristan and – or Moz and Kyrie, like you said, seem to have that. But And, and everyone kind of gets it. With, LeBron and Love are getting that a little bit when they kind of switch in and out of the post, uh, which is when the Cavs are playing at their best, they're running that offense with, with LeBron and Love just taking turns in the post. And it's, it's devastating when Love's hitting a shot. For sure. Speaking of shots, are we ever going to see LeBron's jumper again? Oh, be a weapon. Oh, it's been pretty ugly lately. It has, yeah. and those those ten second backdowns, and then this the pull up twelve footer is just I cringe every time that happens. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's trying to will the ball into the basket. It reminds but, me of the worst habits of Kobe Bryant. Well, and you can tell he gets frustrated. I think I think part of it is he gets goaded into taking those long shots. You could see Curry goaded him into at least two threes or long shots the other night because 
you know, he does, LeBron does that one-on-one thing, whether it's going against Steph, you know, occasionally, or he did it a little bit against Vonley last night or in, uh, in the Portland game where, you know, it's young guy, he's playing the position, he wants to show him up. And honestly, he just, he just got that, he, he's got that in his head. He's got to somehow, you know, be that guy who can shoot from the outside. And I think he yeah. falls back to it a lot because he's been getting hacked to high heaven yeah, not getting uh, on, the, calls. on the inside and not getting a lot of calls lately. And I think that's really, I think it's been a negative. That, that's what I think that's why LeBron's always been a little bit negative about post play and paying and playing down low is that he gets right. hacked a lot and they rarely, not rarely, but they don't call it because he, he, I think somebody said the, in the, in the broadcast, I think it was on the Tristan foul when, when he got fouled by Livingston and oh, like, yeah, from oh, behind the neck. Well, yeah. But that, but that, but that, because Tristan's such a big guy and he didn't fall down like he was shot, like, had he done that, it would have been a flagrant foul. But, and, yeah. and if, it, and if somebody, I couldn't had done believe that they didn't Curry, call that a flagrant foul. No, but if, but if, if, if TT had done that to Curry or even, you know, or even Livingston, Livingston, he, he, he little guys fall down and you're like, oh, clearly he got fouled. And that yes. seems to influence the refs. Yeah. The other thing that has been driving me nuts about LeBron is when he gets that mismatch out on the wing and he gets a bigger guy on him on a switch, he like, he does the dribble, dribble, dribble. I'm going to fake like I'm going to take you off the dribble and then I'm going to pull up. And it's like, well, that's what they want you to do. You're shooting so poorly. You're just bailing him out. Or the other thing he'll do is he'll do the same thing when he gets a little guy on him with like less than 10 seconds and he doesn't think there's enough time to kind of get his butt into the guy, back him down and get either a mid-range shot or a, a shot at the basket. And he does the same thing. And it's like, you've got a mismatch. Use it. Go inside. Even, even if it's just to get – he's gotten really good at that mid-ranger um, from about 10 feet in, but he doesn't do it enough. He, he, he'll bail out to that 13, 14, 15-footer, and it's like – Ah, why are you making? Why are you doing that? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know if he's a hard player to coach. Do you think? Do you think Blad is the problem at all right now, or do you think it's LeBron, or you just think it's general malaise? I think it's. Um, I don't know if it's a malaise so much as uh, look. I, I think Robert's got a point. I think. I think the Cavs are in a, a bit of a downturn. I think. I think the Golden State game took a lot out of them, and I think. I think they look. They even though they said they weren't, they were looking ahead when they played the Knicks, and I think that's why the Knicks game was close. And I think they clearly were just they were just completely on empty, both uh, physically and emotionally and mentally yeah. when they played Portland. So I, I look. I think one game like that, it's an aberration. I think if they can come back strong against Phoenix, and I mean, look, Phoenix has got their own problems. They're they're talking about firing Hornacek and. And you know the, that he's lost his his locker room, and I think Bledsoe just went down <laughs> and collapsed at the All Star break. So yeah, when know, I went I think, to when I went to church on Christmas, the priest looked exactly like Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> it was stunning. Yeah, and I said that to my wife. Funny thing is, like, who the heck is Jeff Hornacek? I'm like, okay, well, he was like the second best guard on the Jazz in the late '90s, but I I. The Phoenix is one of those teams that always sabotages their coach, though. I mean, that whole Markeith Morris situation 
going in from the offseason where they traded his brother. He's clearly unhappy. He just got suspended again. Like, that's just a giant distraction the whole year. Didn't he throw a towel at somebody or something like that? Yeah, and yet you continue this because somehow you think something's going to happen where he's going to have more value than what you're being offered. And they've completely sabotaged that situation. Uh, The same way, in a lot of ways, even though injuries have a lot to do with it, that New Orleans sabotaged their situation with Monty Williams. Um, And I don't know if you watched that Christmas Day game, but New Orleans is a mess. Oh, yeah. Did you see Elvin Gentry have to call three timeouts to get the team to run a play from the right side, from the correct side of the screen? It's, it's It's not working down there. Yeah, no, they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. And I don't know if it's just they've had guys come back from injuries. Um, it, it always kind of boggles my mind. I wonder which guys are just are really smart players and can learn all the plays and run an offense, and which guys are just out there freelancing the whole time. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of the criticism early on of the Cavs was that Mo Williams didn't know all the plays, and Delhi did, and Mo just came out and freelanced when he was in. and. The, I kind of wonder if that's what's going on with Tyreek Evans. Like now that now that he's back, they can't seem to run their offense. Yeah. Well, it's not weird. just Tyreek, but like I've seen, like I've seen Ryan Anderson go kind of kind of one on one too. <laughs> Ryan Anderson going rogue. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think I think on some level the Cavs ha- are suffering from the same thing. I mean, it's one thing to say. Okay, everybody's back. We're healthy now. Like, yeah. he's back. Iman's back. Maz is back. Kevin's back. The problem is, you got to work guys in. You have to get. Yeah. Guys. I think it's going to take them a good, solid month to really get their legs back. At under least them. a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and look, the the first part, the early part of January is not that bad. I mean, they've got the back to back, but again, Phoenix is kind of a mess, and and Denver is is. You know, they played tough tonight against OKC. Yeah. But the only thing about Denver is going in – the schedule makers are brutal. Going into Denver on the back end of a back-to-back is just – shouldn't even be fair with that elevation. Yeah, but they may not have Gallinari, so that might yeah. at least be good because Gallinari always kills the Cavs. But yeah, he does. They, they have the rest of the week off until Saturday where they play Orlando. Then they got a couple of – they get a, a nice home stretch against teams that they owe something to. Like they owe Toronto a beating. They owe Washington a beating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got the early part of January is not bad, but the second half of January, oh, man. they play the Spurs twice. They got to play Golden State again. They got they got Spurs, uh, Rockets back-to-back. I mean, the rest of January is pretty brutal. I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, kind of still being trying to figure it out just and maybe start – picking it up as they go into the all-star break. Mm. Anybody, did you guys hear about Alec Burks? Yeah. Uh, did he t- t- fractured out indefinitely fractured left fibula? Oh, he just took a just horrific foul and just landed right on his arm. Anyway, I, I've got the TV on in the background. So no, I, I agree with you, EG it's, you know, they can figure it out. They just, they just got to do it. I think the road trip might help them a little bit. Um, Maybe, hey, do you think uh, you think they're going to figure it out against Phoenix a little? Hopefully, they come out and take it out on them. I think oh. if they, I think if they don't, then then there might be deeper problems because yeah. they got to be so angry 
and embarrassed about how they how they just right. laid an egg in Phoenix. And I think they got to, you know, look, they're either going to step up and just beat the tar out of Phoenix or they're going to, you know, make it a struggle for themselves again and probably, you know, probably lose on the road because. Well, I think, I think the, the quote of this podcast was EG saying the difference between the Cavs and the Spurs is that the Spurs have a system. Mm. And I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the Cavs going with a short rotation for one game in December against the Warriors, because that told me that they cared more about that game than about the marathon. Right. what, What they really need to do from now until the playoffs start is get a system in place and fine tune that system. Yeah, and I agree. So, with you. I mean, I, right now I feel like they're, they need to like collect themselves. I think they're kind of in a little bit of a chaotic state and, yeah. and it could be a, it could be a rough week or two here before they, you know, get back to business and they, but they really need to do that and it might take a while, but once they do, their priority needs to be to go deep into their bench and get a system going. Um, that is going to maximize their ceiling. Yep. So uh, when you guys watched the Portland game, did you get the Fox feed or, or did you get the Fox Ohio feed? Or yeah, did, that's, that's the only yes. feed that was available because they didn't yes. have a, a Portland feed. Okay. So did you hear when Austin Carr was just yelling like, run yeah. a play? Yeah. yeah. They yeah, just went the like five minutes I, without even running a play at one point. I, yeah, I, I quoted him on the blog. I, I quoted him on the live thread. I was like, absolutely. Like, AC's not always right, but right now, he's absolutely right. Someone run a play. And that's the difference because you can go – you can rest guys if you're San Antonio because every guy on that, on that bench knows the plays, knows how to run the plays. If they – you know, if they get, the other team starts a run, they know, they know where they need to be. They know how to right. – communicate and be hit their spots where they need to be on both on offense and defense. So and you can it, know it that like with the Cavs a little bit, guys don't know where they're supposed to be. Like they don't know what their role is right now. Like I'm a little confused why Amon Shumpert is, hasn't gone back in the starting lineup. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be a good move for the Cavs defensively and off, also offensively for the bench unit. I um, so too. And I feel like, okay, if he's 100%, put him back in the starting lineup where he was last year. And not as a knock to JR, it's just that lineup had so much chemistry last year. And and plus, the defense with him as opposed to JR, not that JR doesn't have his moments on defense, um, but it just seems all the time with Shump rather than, yeah, JR is going to get in the into altered beast mode before he uh, starts playing yeah. hard D. It would at least prevent them from getting off to bad starts like they have been lately. Right. Yeah. They've been getting off to bad starts. They need to figure that yeah. out. And one of the things that drives me nuts about the bad starts is everybody kind of complained last year. Oh, Kevin Love only scores in the first quarter. That <laughs> was so helpful. Like, yeah. it's so helpful. The f- most important quarters in the NBA are the first and the fourth. You know, Obviously. And then the third being the third most important. And if you come out just terrible out of the locker room, but if you don't get off to a good start, it, it you're playing behind the whole game. Yep. Yeah. Like the Cavs you're having to expend more energy to play tougher yeah. defense to try to yeah. catch up. Exactly. Look, and Kevin, I mean, look, I, I like the fact that Kevin's been playing a lot in fourth quarters lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's definitely at least been, 
usable enough to uh, defensively to, to do that. I mean, the, the, the Steph blow by in the, in the fourth quarter, notwithstanding, but I, I think he has been, he's definitely been improved. And I think, Oh yeah. Shown it. He had a he, enormous shot in that Boston game. Yep. Um, all right, guys, we got to put a okay. we got to put a nice big Christmas bell on this. Okay, so uh, Cavalier New Year's resolutions. Uh, it, it, anybody on the Cavalier need to make any New Year's resolutions, Tom? Yes, um, David Blatt needs to make a resolution to, as a matter of habit, play pretty much everyone on the team every game, with maybe the exception of Sasha Khan, and you know much danger ninja, but everyone else needs to see the floor every game, go full on Popovician and, and develop a system and have all these guys ready to play by April. And at the same time, I still feel like LeBron's playing too many minutes. I feel like Kevin loves playing too many minutes. These are guys that have back problems and back spasms. And so if you can start getting them 25 minute, 28 minute, 32 minute games, instead of 35, 37, 40, it's just, it's like, it's like putting money in a piggy bank. Every time you do that, you save them a little bit longer at the end of the season. Okay. EG. I think, um, I think LeBron's probably going to make a resolution to get over the fact that that he's not going to get the fouls called as much and keep at it and keep, keep being that, that low post sort of center of gravity for the Cavs because when he gets on the outside, clearly his shot is, is still broken. It's not probably going to fix itself. I mean, he's shooting 25% from three, which is down from 35% last year. And uh, for all of, his, all of his improved efficiency, he's shooting actually a point worse. He's, he was 488 last year from the field. He's 487 this year. Yeah. I think – He's gotta. He's gotta recognize they're only gonna win a championship if he's that that low post force that in his this this sort of second half of his career he can be because so, he can dominate when he wants to. But he's gotta he's gotta resist the urge. He's gotta make a resolution to resist the urge to get into you know MVP battles with guys on the on the the perimeter right. and do that jab step deep two three-point shot that isn't going to go. Right. He's got to move the ball and get in position. You know, rather than holding the ball for 20 seconds, move the ball, get in a better position, get the ball back. You know, and if he's not getting the ball back, then they're double-teaming him without the ball, and somebody else going to be open. Yep. So my Cavalier New Year's resolution is to no longer play Mo Williams and Tristan Thompson at the same time. And the reason for that is because when you play Mo Williams and Tristan Thompson at the same time, you're four on five on defense and you are four on five on offense. Um, And so you're a man behind on both sides of the ball. So that, and it kind of drives me nuts. So that is, that is my resolution for some reason, Mo just Mo and Tristan just do not seem to have, Great chemistry together on the court. Mo or Tristan doesn't know where to be. Mo tries to hit those pull-ups within the pick and roll, and teams just aren't scared of uh, Tristan rolling, and so they just don't have the chemistry. So that's that's my New Year's resolution. My also my New Year's resolution 
is for David Blatt to start screaming at the refs to call illegal defense uh, because teams are just camping out in the lane yep. and yeah. no one is calling it. And it's, it's Festus, Festus Azili brought his tent to that last game. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the other thing is, is start protecting LeBron with some. Start picking up some tax uh, to protect LeBron because it's it's starting to get ridiculous. Yeah, D- David Blatt needs to uh, tear the ref a new one a couple times. He's yeah. he's not a rookie coach anymore. He's earned he's earned that right. Yeah, I wish he I wish he'd tear a ref a new one every once in a while too. But yeah. eh, what are you gonna well, do? And that was one great thing about Mike Brown when he went off. He went <laughs> off. I mean, he would just like yeah, yeah he would lose his out mind. Of his, Potato head ears. He would, he would smile for like 44 games in a row. And on the 45th game, he would <laughs> just, just blow up. Snap. And you knew he was getting tossed. Big, like, big, big potato. Yeah, you, <laughs> big potato. There you go. You, you but, knew he was getting tossed. You could just see it. He, his glasses were like falling off his dome. I mean, he was like, he's like spitting. He's running out to the court. And he's pointing that finger over and over. I remember, I remember the game against. Uh, Indiana, where Indiana won on that inbounds alley-oop at the buzzer that they called a foul. Do you remember that? Like the Cavs, like LeBron or someone made a shot with a uh, And there goes Tom. To go up one. And Indiana, Indiana threw a lob. And I think it was like Danny Granger. And they called the Cavs for a foul. Oh, yeah. That's right. And – and he hit both free throws to win the game. And Mike Brown just lost yeah, his mind. And in the post game, he was so hot after that game. It was it was a great Mike Brown moment. But anyway, I, I, gotta, I gotta go, guys. And I'm cutting okay. out. I'm making this unlistenable anyway. So <laughs> I, well, okay. the, the last resolution I will have is that, and to that point, from Blatt on down, this team talks about playing with rage they talk about being salty like iman the other night they talk about you know that edge they want to play with and i haven't seen any of it yet they yeah, need to find that the only edge. guy i see that plays with an edge every game is delhi yeah yep. um and the that and i'm talking every game i've seen guys that bring it for some games tristan has it some games kevin love has it some games. yeah kevin love has it some games um yeah. Iman Shumpert seems to have it some games, but I, the only guy I've seen play with an edge every game is Delhi. Delhi, yeah, yeah. So, all right, guys. Uh, any uh, any uh, holiday stories you want to share, Tom? <sighs> holiday stories I want to share, um, uh, or or eg. Well, I got a boatload of Cavalier stuff for Christmas, so. I've got two pairs of wool socks. I've got a stocking cap. I got three different somehow like fleece blankets that are <laughs> Cavaliers. I've got Christmas ornaments. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, my family, you know, I think that's when they don't know what to get me. They're like, well, as long as it has calves on it, he'll love it. Get him uh, something calves. My wife got me this like epic um, coffee thermos that is calves. And it's like, it's like, it's incredible. It's like the greatest. <laughs> That's I'm, awesome. a, I'm a coffee drinker, so I got that. Nice. Um, but it was a great Christmas. Our, our girls had a lot of fun. They got a ton of loot. Well, yeah, and you're you're at the age where your girls are at the age where it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, they got a trampoline, and oh, they've just been going crazy on that thing. My uh, 
my Christmas story is that I made the mistake of telling my telling my son that I went and saw the original Star Wars fifty seven times and in, in in the theater. Now, mm-hmm. bear in mind, bear in mind, this is back in the in nineteen seventy seven seventy eight when movies I think cost about a dollar and or dollar fifty and and you know that was movies stayed in theaters for a year and that's really all you did. You didn't have video games and things like that. Now I sound like a really old man, but I said to my son, he's like, I said, well, I, I, you know, I went to the original like 57 times in, in the theater. He's like, that's insane. And so now he wants to try to match that record. And I, (laughs) a little different when you're paying 20 bucks a pop for IMAX 3d. So we've still, we've still seen it three times now. I think Uh, is that that 57 times for all three? No, that's just the first one. I mean, is that I was, just like... I was so, seven. So, Tom, Tom have you seen it yet? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Oh, uh, okay. I know, you're such yeah, a I'm, I'm in the minority. I'm, I'm, so, my thing is I've been, like, tweeting out and, and Facebooking out spoiler alerts. Like, uh, you know, Leia's kids are half Wookiee. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Han Solo sits around to, in his uh, tank top talking about making the Kessel run while drinking a you like let's pretend to let, let's and there goes Tom Star Wars Phantom Medicine all that didn't exist if yeah. you if you if, if Disney just makes like a Star Wars movie every three years they will become like the biggest company no, they're talking on earth. about releasing one every year well it's like pizza it's like you can't make a bad Star Wars if you stick to the ingredients right oh, if yes. you stick to yeah. like no because they didn't stick to the ingredients. They made some kind of vegan, you know, almond uh, milk pizza with those first three, and they were terrible. Just, I, people just, forget how good the first two Star Wars movies were. No, I'm episodes saying episode five had fantastic dialogue. No, that's there what I'm saying. There was not a moment of like, oh, this dialogue is really fantastic. There was, can you remember one quotable line from, from The Force Awakens? Not uh, like good against the living. That's one thing. Good or good against remotes. That's one thing. Good against the living. My favorite. Yeah, my I, favorite. I line, my favorite line was Oscar Isaac saying, "Do you talk now? Do I talk? When who talks?" Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I remember <laughs> Carrie Fisher saying, "Bring back our son." That was pretty dramatic. No, it was yeah. bring back our son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that Here's... was my spoiler alert that Carrie Fis- that Princess Leia talks through a trach ring now. Oh, you better put a spoiler <laughs> alert message in this blog post. <laughs> Because that, that's a huge spoiler I just gave in. You should probably just edit that out. It's in the preview, Tom. Oh. <laughs> All right. I really got to go. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, See. and uh, this has been another episode of Cavs of Blog Podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, have go a happy Cavs. new year, and go Cavs. Go Cavs. Happy new year. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.